Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bibles. Who's got their Bible? No one. Awesome. That's cool. One person over there. Get your Bible out. Hebrews 11. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, just share a word and, and uh, I'm not going to preach for long, but I just want to give you some things that, you know, I want to sort of more teach this morning, but just some, um, some thoughts that God really put on my heart this week. And uh, I hope, uh, I know the word will speak to you. Hebrews 11 verse 17. And by faith, is Paul speaking, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, say tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. It says, By faith, Abraham. How did he do it? He didn't do it by sight, he didn't do it by feelings. He did it by faith. Remember last week we were talking about faith as well in regard to Paul. And last week we were talking, talking about all of the different adversities that Paul was up against and how he was able to, or how we were able to look at Paul living out what he preached when he preached and declared that I walk by faith, not by sight. How was he able to go through those adversities by walking by faith? And here Paul makes another statement again in Hebrews 11 verse 17. And he's referring to the story in Genesis 22 and the story of Abraham sacrificing his only son Isaac or or going up to the mountain with the intent to sacrifice on Mount Moriah when God intervened. And he declares and he starts off by saying, it was by faith Abraham was able to do it. Again, it goes in line and in keeping with what we preached about last week on walking by faith. But he says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Tests, I think, are one of the most difficult things to walk through within, your, within the kingdom of God or one of the most difficult, difficult things to go through in our walk with God. I actually think that tests are more difficult than battles. See, I think we confuse sometimes a test and a battle. I think sometimes a test is harder to walk through than a battle or than a fight. I don't like tests in the natural. I never liked them at school. Is anyone here that you actually like exams? We'll pray for you at the end of the service. <laughs> Cast that spirit out, but... I remember when I got to the US, I had an Australian driver's license and I had to go with my Australian driver's license and I had to go to the DMV in Santa Ana. Now, I don't know what hell is like. Thank you, Jesus, I'm never going to know. But I'm pretty certain it's not dissimilar to the DMV in Santa Ana. I went down there and and I walked into a small room that had about 3.2 million people in there. (laughs) And I went and stood in a queue that was about, you know, four and a half days wait. And I waited in the queue and I came up to the lady at the desk and I said, you know, I'm I'm here to sit 
to sit my driver's test. She says to me, what identification you know, do you have? So I showed her the identification that I had. The problem was that what I had was just an Australian driver's license. So they didn't have any way of identifying the validity of it. And they wanted to know, um, they wanted to see more identification that I didn't have on me. So I had to go back and get my passport, I brought my passport back. The problem was that my passport was also an Australian passport. So what I needed was I needed to actually show, I said, well, I'm here, I'm not from here, but I live here now. She said, do you have a permanent resident visa card that identifies you with immigration as being a permanent resident because I am legal, don't call anybody on me. And, and so I said, well, well, I do. The problem was at that time that I'd lost my wallet. And so when I lost my wallet in Georgia, it had my permanent resident visa card on it. So she said, we can't actually take anything because we need, if you don't have your permanent resident visa card, we need you to get a stamp on your passport from immigration that says that you're legitimate. So I had to leave there. I had to go to immigration. Now, they say that hell's in different levels. <laughs> if the DMV in Santa Ana is top level, top tier hell, like you mean, you know, like your heart out demons, then next tier down, like those dudes, you know, little brothers, they're hanging out at the immigration in Santa Ana. So I went to the immigration. I went into another small room. They had about 2.3 million people in that room. And then I waited in another queue for about three and a half days to talk to another lady to actually find out that I can't just show up. You've got to have an appointment. At that point, I was really, you know, I'm, I'm saved and sanctified and I believe in living by the Spirit. However, in that moment... There was an attack of the enemy coming upon me, something come upon me and I had to just put out my hands and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me in that moment with love, joy, peace and patience. After I finally was able to convince them to get stamped my passport, I was able to go back to the DMV and go up to the DMV and then wait in the line in the room that's filled with three and a half million people and wait in the queue for another three and a half days to talk to another lady. And then the other lady didn't understand my situation because she was different to the lady I spoke to before. So I had to explain everything to her. And then she said they need to talk to immigration. I said, why don't you guys all just get together? Like the lady I talked together, immigration, let's all get in the one room and we could sort out my life real quickly. <laughs> Finally... Once they were able to identify that I was in fact who I said I was, they said to me, well, now we need you to actually, because at that stage I didn't have a driver's license. So I got someone to drop me off there from our office so I could sit the test and they're going to pick me up later because he had to go and do things. And she says, so we're going to go out and do the driving test. I said, I don't have a car. I got dropped off here. She said, well, you need to have a car. So I said, I had to ring the guy and get him to bring the car. The problem was when they brought the car, the car's registered under my wife's name. So they were not able to identify that I was the actual owner of the car. So I had to show a title for the car. Pray, pray for us during the week. So finally, after I was able to identify who I was, identify that I owned the car, a little guy came out, we went and we got into the car and we're going to go off and do the driving test. So we start driving through Santa Ana, which you've got to be close to Jesus to do that. And so we're driving through and then finally I'm turning left, I'm turning left and I turn right and I turn right and we do everything right and put the wipers on and push this and push the horn and do all these different things. I feel like I was 17 again. And we got back to the DMV and just when I think I'm ready to get my little driver's license, they said, no, 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 wait, you've got to complete the written the written exam I said written what I know how to drive she said we've got to make sure that you know the rules 
So they gave me another form. They pointed me to another room that was a lot smaller than the room that I was just in. This room only had about 3.2 million people in this room with about 27 computer screens. And then I had to go and get that piece of paper and wait in another line to go through that queue again for another two and a half days to get to those computer screens where I sat and I passed, went through and passed the written exam. You know where you've got to touch the screen and do all that thing, which I'm freaking out about because I don't want to touch a screen because I'm a bit of a neat freak and I don't like germs and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm not thinking about the question, I'm thinking about the germs that are in the box. <laughs> the problem was I knew the right answer, I just didn't want to touch the right box. <laughs> so finally I finished that and then I go and take the results of that test that's passed and I said, can I get my licence now? I said, no, you've got to go wait in that queue and then you get in that queue and then you give that piece of paper that says you've passed the written test, you've passed the driven test. Now you can tell that lady she'll give you a license. So I go to that queue, I wait another two days to go through that queue and get to another lady. I said, another lady, I've passed everything. Here's my forms. Can I have my driver's license? She said, We don't give you your license now. We give it to you, we send it to you. So they gave me, after all of that, they gave me a little piece of paper. After a day, I finally got back to the car with my little piece of paper and Chris and I are at home about three weeks later and finally it comes in the mail. I go out to the mail, I open it up and there it is, my driver's licence. I never felt, thank you for the applause, appreciate that. I've never felt, listen, so proud in my whole entire life. Not only was I happy with the photo, but I actually, I was actually just, because what, what happened was I knew to everyone else, that's just a driver's license, big deal, everyone's got one. But to me, I knew the journey and the test that was linked to what I was holding in my hand. To everybody else, it's just that's something that, that's just what you have. Everyone has that. But I knew that what I was holding in my hand had attached to it a test that I had gone through. I knew everyone saw the reward, but I knew about the journey. And I want to talk to you a little bit about testings. Because like I said, as we read about in this story and as we shared about in this story, Abraham went through in this story in Genesis 22, an incredibly difficult, painful test. In James 1 verse 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy for you fall into, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. See, we love to receive perfect work, but we want a perfect work without a painful test. We have to understand in order to walk in a perfect work, a great blessing, a high level of favour, anointing poured out, faith that's not just big enough for you, big enough for those around you, you're going to have to go through some painful tests. The thing about, I think, that makes a test harder than a battle is the fact that when you go through a fight and when you go through a battle, it requires you to be strong and fight. But a test requires you for you to be humble and surrender. A fight is about grabbing hold of a victory, but a test is about letting go 
and trusting God. We're better, I think we're better at fighting than we are walking through tests. Abraham, the battle for him, or the test rather, for him was, was he willing to actually not persevere, not fight, not struggle, not strive, but was he willing to actually let go? I think that's what we find hardest as Christians. Because we can get, listen, you can go through a battle, you can get to church, get yourself full of scriptures, pump and get excited and bring, sing the song and get, get to the Bible studies and, and declare and get to the prayer meetings. But there's something about a test that requires us to walk through it differently to how we walk through a battle. A test requires complete and utter vulnerability. Saying, God, I trust you. God, what do you want me to do? God, I believe in you. I lean upon you. Abraham went through a series of different things that he had to actually trust God in. The first thing that Abraham had to trust God in, and I think that we can apply this to our own lives, is he had to trust God with simply his possessions. He had to trust God as practical and as simple as it is. He had to trust God with what he had been blessed with. Possessions. The house, the car, the boat. If you got one, God bless you. Take me for a ride one day. The spouse, the children. Do you... Is everything that we have surrendered to His will and to His purpose? Because it's not ours to own, it's ours to steward. It's, a, it's an incredible challenge, I think, for us, especially in this day and age where we preach so much. And hear my heart, I preach it, I believe it. God wants you blessed. You've come in, if you're visiting, you've come into a church that we believe in the blessing of God. We believe that God wants you to walk blessed, press down, shaken together as Pastor Javon was talking about and running over. But I do also believe that God wants to take us from where we are to another level. We talk about glory to glory. And so often... What separates us from where we are and where God's calling us to is a simple test. Our response to the testing of God determines where we go. One of the things that I think stunts our growth as Christians is not the attacks, but the failed tests. Because the thing about a test, when you go through a test in school, not only is a test... A question about have you, are you able to answer these answers to show you've walked through this past season and you've learnt. But a test is what separates you from going to the next level. It's a test. Because once you pass the test, you then get to step into the next level. How are you responding to the testings of God? Because I've found as well is the moment we say, when we talk about give, trusting God with our possessions, 
I've found that the moment we feel like we've surrendered everything we have to the Lord, we step through to the next level. And then at the end of that level, we've got to surrender again. Surrender again. Abram had to go through this. There's a great verse in John 21 verse 15. It's after when Jesus, I don't think they've got it yet, but they might get it up. It's after when Jesus had already been uh, risen from the dead, already been crucified, risen from the dead. And he went, and you know the story with Jesus, he's, ba- he's, he's cooking the fish on the beach. And Peter comes up and it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, I know that you love me. And I've looked at that verse before, and I've in fact preached it before, that, that Jesus is sitting with the disciples and Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than them? But Jesus doesn't say, do you love me more than them? He said, do you love me more than these? Maybe, I don't know, but maybe Jesus... Because understand what Peter had done. Peter had felt let down because of everything that had happened. And he had gone back to what he was used to. He'd gone back to fishing and here he is fishing. Maybe Jesus is not asking Peter, do you love me more than the disciples? Maybe Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than this? The boat you have, these fish, your friends, your disciples, these disciples. This lifestyle, because I've noticed, Peter, that when things got bad, you went back to what you have. See, why is it so important that we walk through with success, the testing of God? Because all the while through the test, God wants us. Maybe. Jesus was saying to Peter, do you love me more than everything that you have, Peter? It was the test of trusting God with our possessions. Anything God has given you, you can trust Him with. Anything God hasn't given you, you don't need. The second thing real quick, you still with me? Have I upset you yet? I've got two more points, so give me time. Can I trust God? No, no matter. And the first thing was he trusted God with his possessions. The second thing, can you trust God with your purpose? Abraham had a purpose. Not just Abraham, Isaac. Remember when God spoke to Abraham, he told him what Isaac was going to do. So Isaac had a purpose. But look at what. God does, God declares a purpose out over his life, but then he asks him to do something that deviates from that purpose. Because he wants to know, yeah, it's great to give me your possessions, but do I have your purpose? Do I have your dreams? Do I have your desires? Do I have the things that you want to do for me? Sometimes I think we can get so caught up caught up in the call of God and what we're going to do and doing this and achieving that that we actually get from God and we lose the intimacy with the one who gave us the call in the first place. 
One of the greatest things I think that while too often we hear preachers falling is I think they got so caught up in their purpose and so caught up in the purpose they strayed from their provider. The one who gave the purpose in the first place. Businessman, businesswoman, are you getting so obsessed with what you believe God has called you to do that you have yet to, or maybe you need to do it again, surrender the business to His plan and to His purpose? Because look at why Abraham was able to stay the course. Because he had faith in God's plan despite how crazy it looked. If you look at the story in Genesis 22, you can look at it later. But Abraham said to them, when the, when the party split, they were going up there with a few other guys and they went to split and take him. he went to take him out to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son. He said to the other guys, stay here. We will both return. Now he's going up there in his mind to sacrifice his son. Why is he saying we will both return? Because he trusted God. He didn't know how it was going to happen. All he knew is God's told me to kill this kid and that's what I'm going to do. So if God, God's either going to intervene or God's going to raise him from the dead. Either way, I know that my God is good and He's going to come through. I don't need it to make sense. Faith isn't just believing God in spite of the evidence. It's obeying God in spite of the consequence. What if obeying God means that you might be broke? What if obeying God means that you stay single? What if obeying God requires you to do something that you would do it differently if it was your decision to make? Is living a life completely surrendered to God? Obedience is one of the greatest keys when it comes to living surrendered to God. You still with me? Real quickly, and the last thing I want to give you is the first one, trust Him with your possessions, trust Him with your purpose, and can you trust Him with the promise? They all start with P. Made it easy for you, church. Promises of God, yes and amen, the Bible says. Blessing, favour, we pray it. Connections, if you're a businessman, businesswoman, right connections, right people, doors to open, opportunity. If you're, if you're a parent, you know this story is dear to your heart. It's, they're, a prom, they're a promise from God. They're a gift from God, your children. Do you trust God with your children? What they're going to do? The promises of God. Do we trust Him? Our giftings. See, when, we, when our giftings are in our hands, we will always get the glory for it. When we remove our gifting from our hand and put it in His hand, He will get the glory. God will touch it in a different way. Could it be that what you're praying to happen in your children's life would happen when you re-surrender them to the will of God. Do you trust God? No matter what happens, 
No matter how crazy they might get, no matter how much far they may run from God, no matter how difficult it might get, uh, is your faith at a place where you can say, God, I don't understand your will. I don't understand your way. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I know who you are and I trust in you. And I trust that you're going to come through. Because in this story, the, the thing about this story that's, that's so powerful and as you watch it, you know, I was, I was reading it and I kept reading it over and over. And I'm going to close in, in, I promise you, five minutes. I've got five minutes and 32 seconds. You think I can do it? Come on, where's your faith? Gee, not listening. Trust. I was reading this story and I kept reading it over and over again. God speaks to Abraham, tells him what to do, gives him direction. Abraham goes off and does it. Then at the end of the story, God begins to speak out over Abraham because of your obedience. This is what I'm going to do. And God, you can go and read it later. And God begins to pour out. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to see the whole way through the journey. God didn't actually want. He asked for Isaac. God didn't actually want Isaac. He wanted Abraham. How do we go to a deeper level in our relationship and connection with God? is it's continuing to be obedient and continuing to trust in Him. We pray and we declare and we believe for new levels. We, you know, we prayed, I preached it a few weeks back about believing for great things for your life, that God's, and it's true. I believe God's going to do it. I believe He already is. We're hearing testimonies, and God opening doors for people, church growing. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. What God is doing is. But everything, we can never hold what we're walking in. The favour that's on us, the blessing we have, we can never hold it tighter than we hold the God who provided it in the first place. It's living, we talk about it, it's living with open hands. And I've found for me, for my life more and more as I, as I pray, Yes, I pray God deal with my heart and deal with my mistakes and things that are in my life. But it's more so now, I think the, ba- it's, the battle's not when, when you're praying. The hard part is not God come and take my sin. The hard part is God, I surrender to you my life again. It's not giving up the bad things is not hard. It's given up the good things. It's the battle between two loves. It's given up the things that I love dearly for the thing that I'm called to love supremely. And it's saying, God, I, lo- I love my wife. But God, I-, I give her to you. I trust you. Trust your plan. I love Luke, our son. I love him with all my heart. And Lord, I give him to you. I trust you with him. Which means I'm not going to refuse to freak out and be anxious and be stressed and be worried if something happens that deviates from what I would do because I don't try. I trust in you, God. It's a powerful principle living 
a life of absolute, complete surrender. Because we get so good. And I'm talking about my, we get so good at steering and directing things where we think they should go. We know best, don't we? We talk like that, don't we? I think parents, we know best. You do, but God knows better. We know best. I don't want to live in my best. I want to live in His better. And if you want His better, just trust in Him. I know the job might be getting crazy. I know the finances might have taken a hit. I know the family might be going through. Listen, church, do you trust Him? Maybe you did, but along the journey of this next level, you've got to re- resubmit it again. And guess what? In a few months' time, you'll probably have to do it again because that's, that's how God grows us. We talk and sing about glory to glory, but we sometimes I think we skip the test in the middle. From one level to the next level, is going through the test of trusting God. Faith that cannot be tested or faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. You know, I talk a lot, you know, because there's such um, powerful figures in my life and have played such a huge role in my life, my parents. And, you know, they've been here many times before and and my mum has preached here before. You know, and... One of the great things about their life, and, and I could speak about as well, my, my in-laws, Pastor Jensen and, and Pastor Sharice as well. Because these, these different people are people that I'm able to be. People see the outside and see the exterior and the faith and the authority and the anointing. But when you're closer to them, you get to see the journey and the battles that go on and the testing that happens in order to walk in the perfect work. See, God has called each and every one of us to make a difference in those lives around us. We're called to be people of faith. Don't miss out on what God is calling you to because you got lost in the test. You know, and as I look at at these people, if if I'm going through something, I want, if I'm dealing with a real serious fight or battle in my life, I want someone standing beside me that has been through some tests. I don't need someone that's got some pretty faith in a Scripture that hangs around their neck and, you know, knows where the church is. Oh, I need someone that knows where the throne is because they've got on their face before God. I need someone that's got, I don't, if I'm face, I need someone that's got some battle scars. Someone that's had been knocked around a few times and come through the fire on the other end and have got a fight and an authority in their spirit. And I feel the presence of God. It's just a test. And I want to declare over people this morning that you 
are going to come through the test. In fact, the hit that you're taking right now is about to make you stronger. You're about to walk out of this with an authority upon your life. Come on, I'll tell you the best person, if you've been diagnosed with cancer before, the best person to pray for you is someone that's walked through cancer. Because they've been through the battle. They beat the giant. They can see the victory. Could it be that the very thing you're walking through is the very thing that you're going to be called to walk others through later on in your life? Listen, church, endure, endure the test because there's something great coming for you on the other side. Faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. What God is calling you to is so great. There's going to be some tests. There's going to be some battles, going to be some challenges. But God's on your side. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, He's the comforter. He's the counsellor. You're going to come out victorious. God's going before you. The Bible says He makes a way where there seems to be no way. Right across this room. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.